Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. This week's interview is with Fran Streiner, the CEO and co-founder of Brave New Coin, which is a uh, information website about cryptocurrencies and blockchain. And uh, look, it's a fantastic interview, really clear, simple uh, stuff about cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin. And the highlights really are that he thinks it's possible that Bitcoin will go to six figures this year. So he's got the highest bid in yet for the price of Bitcoin this year. But I suppose the, the thinking behind that is what's most interesting. The number really doesn't matter. Uh, and he points out that Bitcoin is really a massive experiment. And it's a game changer, he reckons, because it's a new asset class that's based on um, digital value. And it's really, really interesting to listen to his explanations of how it works and uh, what it's all about. So here's Fran Streiner, the CEO and co-founder of Brave New Coin. Well, Fran, let's just talk about the price action for a moment. Bitcoin um, is up, I think it's pretty much 50% in the past week and up just about double from its low in February. Um, do you think the bottom is in now for Bitcoin? That was that was the bottom in February? Yeah, it was a, it was a nice clean bottom. Um, good bit of capitulation. I mean, you know, Bitcoin rallied from $200 to 20000 So that's, you know, um, quite important to note is to just zoom out when you're looking at a chart when it comes to Bitcoin, uh, just to get a bit of perspective as to where it's come from. And um, it's just had this incredible bull run for many good reasons. And, uh, yeah, we were just expecting a, a solid uh, correction and uh, we sure got it, which uh, was painful for a lot of people. But those that understand how Bitcoin works uh, just saw it as a sort of um, required correction and uh, um, the spring and bounce since 6,000 um, is, is uh, just the price action trying to correct itself back to a median. Um, you know, uh, I think we're sitting at almost 12 now. Uh, Again, that's that's just a, a violent move from twenty thousand down to six thousand. Um, I had to sort of find an equilibrium, and we expect it to probably sideways for a while now. So you said those who understand how Bitcoin works. I presume you're one of those who does understand. Perhaps you're going to help us understand how Bitcoin works. <laughs> sure. I mean, look, you have to sort of take a step back and think about what's actually happening here. So. Um, Bitcoin represents the digitization of value, and it's it's a whole new asset class. You know, it's a full-blown fourth asset class of, of um, or superclass of assets. Um, but if if you can take a photo of a cat and send it to anybody else on the planet instantly, why can't you do that with value? And that can only be achieved with the advent of the blockchain, which creates scarcity in a digital medium. So um, Bitcoin represents the digitization of money. And of course, all of these ICOs and various different tokens represent the digitization of various other types of value. And the important part to note is that this is global. So it's, a, it's an asset class, but it's actually a technology. And the adoption rate of a technology 
that's fundamental, you know, game changer like this, um, especially on a, 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 with global access, um, uh, means that you know the percentage of the population actually using Bitcoin or other digital currencies at this time is, uh, um, um, you know, it, it's a very small percentage. So if you look at the adoption rate of the internet or washing machines or electricity, you know, as soon as there was enough access ways to get um, mass adoption, uh, the adoption rates just went parabolic and then tapered off with the population growth. So I'm personally... Um, uh, it's almost terrifying to think that if this does take and continue the adoption rates, that it's going to go to a much, much higher level. It looks and feels like a bubble because we're looking at it and going, oh, this asset class is, uh, you know, frothy and, and uh, far overvalued. Um, but really, it's the adoption rate and the number of people using it. Uh, we haven't even you know, touched the sides to, to what's uh, possible uh, with the adoption rates here. I think one of the what you said there, one of the things you said there was quite quite interesting and significant, which was that the blockchain creates scarcity. And I hadn't really looked at it like that before, but but I guess that's right. It's sort of without the without blockchain, um, there's no scarcity. But but the blockchain actually uh, creates almost artificially, at least, um, the scarcity that's required, and and actually uh, makes uh, creates the value in a way. Yeah, I mean, I've got a good analogy for this. So, you know, if you're staring at your desktop and you've got an MP4 file there, and if you click, you know, right-click, copy, paste, you've got two MP4 files on your desktop. The blockchain allows to essentially ensure that there's only ever one true copy, and therefore that is scarcity in a digital medium. And, and that's quite a powerful thing to achieve in, in a truly digital age. So there's a whole range of intrinsic value when it comes to data integrity and, you know, uh, the the actual um, attestation and, and time proofing to to ensure that what happens uh, was, you know, correct and, and when and who and and how you can basically hash anything on the blockchain these days. And um, if you extrapolate it out to assets, uh, that means that you can essentially digitize value. Um, so that, that's how I've been looking at it. It's just the, the pure digitization of any type of value. And we're going to see um, a lot more, a hell of a lot more coming out over the next uh, few years. So I suppose you're one of the people who thinks that Bitcoin could go to 50,000 this year. I'm personally thinking we're going to see six figures this year by Christmas, but um, <laughs> don't hold me to that one. Um yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, it's global. Uh, there's more and more usage. Blockchains are slowly proving to scale. And uh, the more that it's used and less supply that there is, it's, it's kind of uh, pretty basic math to understand, you know, uh, what deflationary economics looks like and what it does to, to the price of any given unit. So, so what about the contest between the various, um, va- what you might call the value cryptocurrencies, the ones that are trying to become the medium of exchange, such as Ethereum, Litecoin, Ripple, and so on. Um, uh, is that uh, is that going to play out soon? Is one of them going to win or one or more of them going to win, or are we going to continue to have a proliferation of them? Well, let's put it this way. We could end up 
having the winner be a cryptocurrency that doesn't exist today. Right? This is this is so very early days that um, I'm, I'm not seeing a sort of um, a single winner in in the mix here. Uh, I think Bitcoin has uh, the best possible chance at this time due to adoption rates and, and the distribution and how it's been distributed to date. Um, it just needs to essentially scale with Lightning Networks and other scaling solutions. Um, they all kind of serve a purpose um, and the world is trying to discover what uh, it needs from blockchain in mass. Um, so, you know, back in the day, Microsoft wanted their own internet and Oracle wanted their own internet and the front cover of PC World had titles like, does your enterprise have an internet strategy? Right? And then everybody was supporting OSI and that was a standard adopted by governments and uh, enterprise and a whole bunch of very, very smart engineers. And then there's, a, there's an expression that says OSI is a beautiful dream and TCP IP is living it. So the standard that everybody thought the internet was going to run on was not the standard that was uh, you know, de facto and used in the long term. Um, so we're seeing sort of um, what I've termed the, the protocol wars, um, where Ethereum's bidding for the you know, smart contract or really the programmability of value. Um, Ripple is bidding for um, you know, the, the actual uh, interbank transfers and, and uh, cross-border payments. Um, we'll see how that pans out, considering that the banks don't actually use Ripple as the currency itself. Um, Bitcoin is never really vowed to be the day-to-day currency that you spend money to buy coffee with. Um, it's a medium of exchange and a store of value, um, but it could be used in a day-to-day situation if we have fast enough side chains that process such payments. Although, you know, in Australia and New Zealand especially, we have excellent infrastructure for payments, don't we? Um, so there's, there's no problem actually being solved, nor does Bitcoin need us to, to uh, need it for payments because Bitcoin's killer application is just the, uh, um, well, for one, the ability to transfer huge sums of value instantly, quickly, and securely without uh, clawbacks. Um, and two, is a fantastic store of value and a hedge that's uh, you know, um, negatively correlated to other asset classes that, uh, um, you know, it'll become the digital gold essentially to hedge in. So I hope that answers your question, but uh, I I really see that we're going to have a continuation of this grand experiment in monetary policy. Like Bitcoin is the world's biggest experiment and all the different assets issued on various other blockchains are just a huge experiment with monetary policy. We've seen every type of money mechanics imaginable um, tried out uh, throughout these various different tokens. And I think that's you know, competition is only good as it stimulates innovation and creativity and um, reduces its ultimately cost for consumers at, at the end. The other thing that's happening, which is kind of separate, but uh, is getting confused with what's going on with Bitcoin and the other major cryptocurrencies is the uh, proliferation of initial coin offerings. And which, you know, which, which seems like, and I guess is the Wild West, you know, lots of people running away with the money and so on. And um, uh, where do you think that's heading? I mean, the, the ca- uh, countries are now trying to regulate this stuff. Um, um, it, I mean, and it also seems to be 
in a sense, uh, infecting the, the cryptocurrency world that's populated by Bitcoin. So it makes that seem like a bunch of scams as well. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Ethereum um, has kind of failed to become the uh, smart contract platform for enterprise to use blockchain. That's where it wanted to be. And what it's actually achieved is um, to be an excellent catalyst for ICOs to issue over. Uh, so the creation of the ERC-20 uh, standard of, of creating tokens on Ethereum has uh, sort of catapulted Ethereum because uh, more and more people use Ethereum for smart contracts that govern these tokens. Um, and that's, that's fine in a way. Uh, the question is the quality of the, the projects uh, uh, themselves that are that are raising all this capital. Um, yes, they're trying to be regulated and different countries are moving at different paces, but regulators, for one, struggle to understand the difference between a utility and an asset and a currency. And, you know, it's, it's a, there's a real danger that uh, regulators will just be lazy and, and label everything a security if it's got, uh, if it's a token, uh, you know, uh, an ICO. Um, we actually launched a full uh, asset class-wide taxonomy last week, which is a full classification system for this whole asset class, um, just to help understand, you know, what is a payment uh, coin, what is a privacy coin, a gaming coin. Uh, you know, it's, it's a hierarchical structure of, of the subclasses of, of this asset class. Um, it's, of course, available for free. You can check it out on our website. Um, so we're quite knowledgeable in the sense of uh, where the macro trends are going. And I fully expect to see a shift from utility tokens that are designing their sort of utility and, and their uh, coin offering in a way to make it not look like a security, but really they should be a security to more sophisticated players coming to the market and saying, you know what, we, we really want the benefits of tokenization, um, but we're not afraid of securities. We're just going to launch a security token. Um, but the infrastructure is lacking to support that particular ecosystem. However, when it does come to market, it's going to be absolutely huge. Um, so for, for the sort of casual investor or casual observer of ICOs, I would, I would say, you know, one, we've got plenty of securities laws in most countries already anyway, and uh, all of these companies need to comply with those. Uh, the same thing with tax laws. Um, and we've got a pretty robust understanding in the Western world, especially New Zealand, Australia, across Europe and America, in terms of venture capital. And, you know, if somebody shows up at your door and says, hey, i got this napkin, it's got a picture, you know, of an idea, give me $50 million, there's no way you would invest in that. So why would you invest into it just because there's a whole bunch of fancy advisors or whatever on, on, a, on a website? That's blatant misrepresentation, right? So my biggest beef with ICOs is the fact that these companies are raising huge swaths of money uh, for something they will build in the future. And there's a whole range of considerations, but mainly governance and execution. Like, can they actually build the thing that they're saying they're going to build? Have they have the explicit you know, track record of building software and scaling software companies? Um, there's a huge skill shortage. Like, would, will they even be able to find the right people? Money doesn't simply solve these problems, right? They need to invest into human capital and education to upskill, um, to, to build a lot of this theoretical stuff that they've uh, proposed to build. So the best ICOs I've seen out there is the ones that actually um, have something already in, in beta that shows it's working. They've raised some money from 
angel investors or VCs to, to build it out and prove that it works. And then they go and tokenize and the token has, you know, very clear utility. Um, I can give you a good example. One that's kind of halfway between, uh, uh, you know, um, build it before, um, raise it before it's built and having built a significant amount already is smartcontract.com. They raised about 33 million. Uh, they have a partnership with Swift and the World Economic Forum, so that always helps. Um, they're one of the smartest people in the space uh, is behind the project, and um, he's got a uh, sort of oracle service, and that he's and he's got a very good reason to tokenize. Um, it allows other data vendors to essentially commercialize their their data and microservices for his oracle network. Um, so that that makes a lot of sense. Whereas, um, you know, a whole bunch of these other projects that just simply uh, had nothing more than, than uh, um, a white paper and the wind blown up their ass. And, and they thought, oh, well, ICOs are easy. It's easy cash. Let's raise this. And I know of some ICOs who have uh, literally raised this cash and gone, oh, uh, a few months later, they realized this, uh, this product isn't actually going to work. Uh, so they're just pretending to be busy. Uh, in but, but people, uh, but Frank, people, people give them money. I mean, wh why is that? What's going on? Why do people? So people seem to take leave of their senses when when tokens are being issued. Well, I don't want to sound insensitive, but there's a there's an incredible amount of dumb money out there, and you know it's a lack of education. That the, the again, this is global, so it doesn't. It means that any non-sophisticated investor that has found themselves found themselves, you know, um, crypto rich, shall we say, um, is uh, punting that, you know, this project is a, a capable of marketing itself. And a lot of, a lot of these uh, sort of crypto investors, they spell fundamentals with a capital F-U-N, if you know what I mean, right? They, they, don't, they don't even care if the project is going to work. Uh, all they look for is, if, is the project going to be able to perpetually market itself for an ever-increasing um, amount of people to, to come in and, and punt on it. And the, uh, the other thing, of course, is um, at the same, around about the same time you you're issuing your, your paper last week, um, there was a massive scam, 500, $500 million uh, from, uh, was it CoinCheck? It was one of those exchanges. Massive, uh, huge amounts of money being, uh, being hacked and robbed. Oh, that was a hack as opposed to a, a you know a exit scam or something along those lines. Yeah, that was a hack. Um, that's right. So that's 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 going to continue happening. Um, it's just simply people's uh, inability to secure the digital assets correctly. Um, you know, you should never keep more more than your uh, trading balance on on an exchange. Um, if you're an active trader and if you're just buying and holding, you should always withdraw it back into your own colds storage solution, i.e. don't keep crypto on exchanges. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's unfortunate. It's just part of the ecosystem that, um, you know, th this is not an easy thing to try and manage, uh, custodianship and of, of cryptocurrencies. Um, and if you look around, after, after a few Bitcoin wallets, there's a really steep drop-off in the quality of the user experience in managing some of these currencies. Right, so the, the entire industry suffers from bad design, bad UX, bad UI. Um, it's going to get better, but uh, it, we still haven't created it 
to be stupid proof. And um, you know, it's it's not the blockchain that's vulnerable. That's that's about as secure as you could possibly get. It's the people uh, that are building applications and there's the security around those applications um, that use blockchain uh, that isn't you know bulletproof. It's been great talking to you, Fran. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, not a problem. That was Fran Striner, the CEO and co-founder of Brave New Coin.